May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. As some of you know, my mother died last November, two months ago, and I've been thinking a lot about the wise words that she often spoke, even though I didn't necessarily appreciate them at the time. For example, when I was a a junior in high school, I had the opportunity to serve as a page in the U.S. House of Representatives for a semester. And both of my parents flew with me in that early August back to Washington, D.C. to help me get settled in my new surroundings. And after we spent a couple of days sightseeing and helping me unpack and settle in, it was time for them to leave. Now, as a parent myself, I do understand now how very difficult it must have been for them at the time to leave their 16-year-old son in a big city like Washington, D.C. in the early 1970s. And I'll never forget, as we stood on the sidewalk outside of the boarding house at 404 East Capitol Street, that would be my home for the semester, both of my parents gave me a hug And then with tears streaming down her cheeks, my mother broke the silence. And as they were about to get into their taxi to take them to the airport, she turned and looked me in the eye and she said, Brent, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Well, today's gospel lesson about the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan River by John is a lesson in remembering. In my 37 years of parish ministry, more times than I can remember, I've had good men and women, very faithful people, make the same surprising confession. It's said in different ways, but it boils down to the same thing. They tell me that they're facing something very difficult in their life, some devastating loss or some struggle or hurdle in their career or a serious problem in their family or some dashed hope. And then they confess that they just don't know how they will ever get through it. And I think there is probably not a person listening today who has not faced some serious challenge in life or whispered or thought the same thing. I just don't know if I have it in me to get through this. As Jesus was about to begin his earthly ministry, the three years that would include rejection by his own family, being abandoned by his closest friends and hostility from every establishment, every authority there was, and finally death as a common criminal on a cross, I think he must have felt very much the same way. And so he goes down to the Jordan River. And Mark's account of Jesus' baptism is simple and to the point. Like all of Mark's gospel, he just cuts right to the chase, and he reduces the baptism of Jesus by John to a single sentence. Mark writes, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. But then something else happens. The heavens are suddenly torn apart. They're torn apart, and then the Spirit of God descends in the form of a dove. 
And Jesus hears God's word. God saying to him, you are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. Now it's interesting, the other gospels all begin with Jesus' birth, or in the case of John, with the word becoming flesh. But Mark begins Jesus' baptism with none of that sappy, sentimental nativity stuff, but he gets straight to the point. Because you see, Mark sees Jesus' baptism as the defining moment in his life. And it's essential to Mark that he begins Jesus' life story with his baptism. And as I mentioned, Mark tells us that when Jesus was baptized, the heavens were just torn apart. They were not merely opened as in Matthew and Luke, but they were, they were torn apart. They were split. They were ripped open. They were torn asunder. Now, when something is opened, it is easily closed. But when it is torn apart, it is not easily closed again. And when Jesus was baptized by John, the heavens were torn apart, so to speak. And when we were baptized, God ripped them open to establish a relationship with each one of us. That's why I think the heavens were torn apart. That's how much God wanted a relationship with us. And after the heavens are torn apart, the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus and God suddenly swoops in, in, in the, into our world like a dove. And the same Spirit that was given to Jesus comes and fills each one of us when we're baptized. Now let that soak in for a moment. Think about that. We have the same Spirit, the same power, the same living presence of the Spirit of God that Jesus had. And during those times in our lives when we feel like we just don't have it in us to keep going through hard things, the place to begin is by remembering that we are never alone. We are never alone because the Spirit was given to us in our baptism, and the Spirit will give us the power and the strength to face whatever lies ahead with grace and hope. Pastor Methodist Pastor William Williman once told the story of a pastor that he watched perform a baptism. And after the baptism, the pastor said to the baby, but he said it in a voice loud enough for the congregation to hear and the parents to hear, he said, little sister, by this act of baptism, we welcome you on a journey that will take your whole life. Little sister, this isn't the end. It is the beginning of God's experiment with your life. What God will make of you, where God will take you, and how God will surprise you, we do not know. But this we do know, and this we can say, God is with you. When we're facing life struggles and we just don't know if we have it in us to get through it, God tears open the heavens. He tears open the heavens so that the Spirit can come and be alongside us and give us hope in some of life's greatest challenges, some of life's most difficult places. And after the Spirit landed on Jesus, he heard a voice from heaven saying, You are my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased. And a literal, literal translation of the Greek would be, You are my own dear son or my own dear child, and I take delight in you. 
Now, I want you to notice something interesting. These words were spoken at the very outset at Jesus' earthly ministry. Before Jesus had really done anything, it was before any of the miracles or any of the healings or any of his wonderful teachings. So think about that. God did not say, this is my beloved son or child with you. I am well pleased because you have proven that you deserve my love. Because as far as we know, Jesus hadn't really done anything yet, and he was still called beloved. God is simply pleased with Jesus for who he is, the child of God. And it's the same way with us. Because our baptisms are not because of anything that we have done, but what God has done for us. It is God who takes the initiative. In our baptisms, it is God who reaches down to us. God chooses us first. That's why in the Lutheran church and many other churches, we baptize babies. Because there's certainly nothing a baby can do to earn or deserve baptism. It is simply a gift, free and undeserved. In Jesus' baptism and our own baptism, we are given this wonderful assurance that we are and we always will be a child of God. You're mine. You're my beloved child, and I will always love you. A good friend of mine who, who died just a few years ago, Pastor Jerry Nelson, once shared this true story, and I think I shared it with some of you about six years ago, but it's a great story, so I'm going to take the liberty of sharing it again. Jerry and his wife Kay were in London for a, a week of vacation several years ago, and they planned to get some tickets to go to one of the top shows in London at the very famous Palladium Theater. They had a friend who was living and working in London at the time who was able to get the tickets for them, and so they were for the date that they wanted, and they were good to go. The tickets for the show were for the evening performance, but they decided that they would prefer to go to the matinee so that they would be free to go to dinner with some friends who also happened to be in London. So Jerry got out the, their tickets. He had them in his hand, and he was going to call the, the theater to switch the tickets to the matinee. And then as he, as he looked at the tickets that were in his hand for a phone number, he suddenly realized that the tickets in his hand were for the previous day. And he had mixed up the date. They had missed the show, and the tickets were worthless, absolutely worthless. So Jerry called the theater, and he shared his story. He explained what had happened. And the person in the ticket office was very sympathetic, very sorry, but said, if you miss, you miss. You're out of luck. But Jerry is very persistent. So he went to the theater, and he asked to see the manager. And he explained that it was his own fault, his own grievous fault. And she smiled and she said, well, why don't you come back this afternoon? I can't promise you anything, but if you come back at the matinee time, perhaps there'll be some seats available. So Jerry and Kay returned to the theater that afternoon about 20 minutes before showtime. The manager introduced them to a very well-dressed usher who's wearing a tuxedo and the usher said, well, please follow me, Mr. and Mrs. Nelson. And they, they thought for sure they were going to be behind some huge column in the nosebleed section in the top of the theater, but they were still grateful that at least they would get to see the play. 
But then the usher led Jerry and Kay to the queen's private box. They couldn't believe it. People were looking at them and must have thought they were really special. They were part of the royal family because they were waving at them and they were smiling at them. And Jerry concluded the story. He said, we who were beggars became royalty. And for that moment, their identity was elevated beyond anything that they could ever have imagined. In Jesus' baptism... And in our baptism, we are given the assurance that we are royalty. God says, you're mine. You're my child. I will always love you. So the next time you're going through a really tough time and you have no idea how you're ever going to get through it, remember that you are not alone. But the living Spirit of God is with you. And most importantly, God has named you and claimed you as God's child forever. As my parents said goodbye to me in Washington, D.C. so many years ago, my mother left me with some very wise words. Remember who you are. Remember, in the waters of baptism, God made a claim on you forever. You are my child, my beloved, my beloved son, my beloved daughter, and I will always love you. In you I take delight. Remember who you are. Amen.